It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and one actor, as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. And this week, we're actually going to continue our conversation from last week with Lauren about voices of the field, pro-social, pro-bono. Uh, working um, a psychology in action. Um, do you want to give us a little bit more information on that title? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last week we kind of did an overview, um, you know, on pro-social and IO psychology in general. Um, and now the subsequent um, sessions, if you will, are going to dive a little bit deeper into those topics we talked about. So today I do have an article I'll talk through um, to kick us off, but I, I do want to also let everyone know who's listening. If you plan on going to PSYOP, um, the pro-social committee is actually, ho- oh, don't shake your head. <laughs> We're actually <laughs> hosting um, a panel and um, my um, peer on the pro-social committee, Kira Barden, will be hosting, and it's called A Lesson in Giving Back, IOs Doing Pro-Social Pro Bono Work. Um, it is going to be on Friday, April 19th from 9 a.m. to 10.20 a.m., um, and it's going to provide an introductory look into how to get involved into pro-social as an IO. Um, we're going to have various IO psychologists who are practitioners and academic academics um, who do pro-social work. Um, those include Dr. Helen Chung. She's an assistant professor at Seattle Pacific. University and the owner of Pathways Coaching and Consulting, um, Dr. Arena Cosma, who's an executive director of Enterprise Skills at Wells Fargo, um, Sarah Motahari, who's a master's student at the University of Central Florida, uh, Amy Saraf Renshaw, she's an independent IO psychology consultant, and Dr. Peter uh, Scantrino, who's the owner of Scantrino Powerall and an adjunct faculty at Seattle Pacific University. So if you wanna hear from those folks, um, they will be at the panel in Chicago at PSYOP. Um, and that kind of kicks off what we're doing today. Um, I pulled an article, it's called The Bright and Dark Side of IO Psychologists and Volunteer Work. I really appreciated that last week. We didn't only talk about the fun, fluffy rainbows and butterflies, um, but we did dive into the other side as well. Um, just a little bit of background on this article. Uh, it is by Kurlander, Ehrlich, and Rabinu. Um, it is in the Industrial Organizational Psychology Perspectives on Science and Practice. We'll make sure that it's linked in the in the notes. Um, but basically, here's some different perspectives they have, right? They have, you can do volunteer work in this area um, for various motivations. One being volunteering as a calling, uh, one being self-interested volunteer, and possibly volunteering as a researcher. And what these authors do is they present what their experience was in a positive way, as well as what some of the challenges were that presented themselves. Uh, so for example, volunteering as a calling, um, 
you know, you're able to expand your network, you're able to increase your future collaborations, but some challenges might be, how do you collaborate with the paid people, right? The, the employees who are being paid or the consultants, um, how do you not interfere or be too critical when you are the volunteer, even if you know it might be the right and just option? Um, and then also how to balance two identities, one as a professional and one as a volunteer, um, because they are not the same. So uh, I'd love to hear if anyone has some experience on that. Um, we have the self-interested volunteer. Um, for those of you who are or are thinking about going out on your own as an independent consultant, um, I know I did this as well. We talked a little bit last week about how volunteering could be a great networking opportunity um, to expand your clientele, but there's often a lot of effort for little recognition or ROI. Um, for those of you who are not aware, ROI, return on investment. So how do you balance that? How do you say this could be great for me, but also I don't feel like what I'm providing is, is being appreciated? Um, how do you continue to motivate yourself through that? And then lastly, for anyone who is a researcher or has come from this um, background, giving back to the population or the community that you study is a really great way to get into pro bono as an IO psychologist. Um, if you're studying um, minorities or underrepresented groups, you can study to give back, but you could also actually give back, right? Find organizations who um, need your assistance. The challenge here could be that the relationship needs to be reciprocal in the volunteer aspect, right? So you understand maybe a little bit of depth into the population, but the organization also needs to recognize your validity as a scientific researcher and the credibility that that holds, that it's not just do this because I said so. Um, so yeah, that is how I want to kick it off. I want to hear from you lovely folks if you have any experiences um, in terms of going out there and and doing this pro bono work, right? And maybe what were some of the challenges that you have experienced? Well, I see uh, Linda Ann's already got her hand up, so we're going to you right away, Linda Ann. But yeah, I can see that, boy, if you, especially in the nonprofit world, that you know, if you're volunteering for a nonprofit, you do say three or four months, and they love your work, and then you go, great, now hire me, and they go, we, we can't afford to hire you, but we don't want you to leave. <laughs> so, Linda Ann, is that kind of the thing that you've experienced? No, what I had to, what I was going to comment on, in regard to what Lauren was was throwing out there is um, first, if you're not feeling appreciated, it's probably not a good match, right? Why it's it's a waste of of your time and and um, because if you're not appreciated, whatever you're offering isn't being picked up, right? So and what I found is that it does take a lot of time. You know, if you're passionate about what you're doing, you want to invest in, in making it succeed. And it can really consume more than that two hours a week or whatever it is that you're showing up for them. And so um, you do need to really work on the, the ROI for yourself um, in creating some boundaries for that time that that you're spending with them. And then with regard to uh, having conversations with the uh, paid participants versus the non-paid participants, um, my experience is, is that if you're 
through the inquisitive process, right? That real, um, so help me understand how this is working and asking really good questions. It can just, in the, in the honest process of trying to understand how they're working and why they're working a certain way, you can really turn on some light bulbs. Nice. Uh, thank you very much for that. Jacqueline, let's go to you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, the working with a mixed group is, would be a new experience for me. Something that I've done for a number of years now is volunteer with organizations that have groups of, so I'm involved with, uh, it's an organizational development group, so not true, like, all I.O., but similar. Um, and we go out to nonprofit organizations and we do uh, pro bono work. And there's certain parameters that they have to meet. They've got to be stable and they've got to one very important thing. And this, I think, is so important. They've got to match the people. So if we've got, let's say, three consultants working for their organization, doing this OD work, they've got to have three people working with us because they're not making that financial investment. And if we think about a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the times involve some kind of behavior change or some kind of changes in the organization. And if they don't, if they're not investing anything at all, sometimes it will turn into the go do this and the effort could fall flat uh, because they don't have skin in the game. So that's been one of the most important things in my experience is having them make some kind of investment, if not financial. And then the work parameters, they always want more. They love the work. They want more. They want more. They want more. <laughs> and, you know, it's always, we always go back to the objectives. Here's what we agreed to. Here's the end of the project. It is coming. We're going to do this work. We're going to get it done. We'll have some suggestions for you to ride off into the sunset with. However, this is the scope of our work and what we're, and I, I think that's something that we deal with also in paid engagements is the, the scope creep too. You're absolutely right. And I guess because it comes down to the perceived value, you know, what is the organization or the individual that you're doing pro-social work? Um, what is the value they're perceiving that they're getting out of this? Um, Lee, let's go to you. Well, I'll get touch on a couple of things here. The um, the first is, you know, there is a difference. And, you know, you need to go in understanding that there's a difference between just a regular volunteering situation and volunteering as a consultant. You know, because if you go to a local organization and say, hey, I want to volunteer, they're like, great, fill out this paperwork and, you know, go sort groceries or, you know, whatever, whatever the organization does. And it's kind of open-ended and it's kind of, uh, you know, some of them are going to have specific, you're volunteering to do this, but a lot of it's just general. And if you're coming in to do uh, like a, a, you know, within the, the rails parameter driven, you know, consulting, that needs to be laid out. And it may not be something that they're familiar with. They may not have anything in their, you know, their lexicon and their documentation, whatever else. And so you may have to, there, there may have to be something drawn up. There may need to be a contract, an agreement of some sort that says, hey, look, I am providing you pro bono consulting work to, you know, to entail, you know, blah, 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 for a period of, and make sure that that's defined so that you don't show up to do, you know, uh, like a, you know, a job 
analysis and they want you to go, you know, sort groceries. It's like, uh, you know, it needs to be clearly understood what you are there to do. And you need to make sure that there is parameters put in place of what your project is and your timeline that you're looking at for completion. And, you know, Scope Creek, I mean, the struggle is real. And it's it's bad in uh, it's bad in the paid world, but in a lot of nonprofits, you know, everybody is a, a jack of all trades, and so really, there's no scope for, for most of your volunteers, and so you really have to you really have to to fight that battle. And you know, as far as dealing with other volunteers and dealing with paid staff, you know, there has to be the uh, understanding that there, there's got to be some buy-in there and there's got to be understanding of where you fit into the structure um you know I, I actually one of my one of my IO contacts is an executive director of a, of a nonprofit and she's the, like the only paid person and yet there are volunteers that she has to answer to in some way and that causes friction and so those are things that you have to consider of where where do you fit and if somebody pretty senior isn't buying what you're selling, you know, you're going to have a tough time. And, and, you know, and there comes a time when you, when you've got to, you know, you got to fish or cut bait, you know, right. It, people are not taking it. It's not going anywhere. You're spinning your wheels. You're frustrated. Maybe it's time to reconsider this relationship. Uh, great words of wisdom there, Lee, because yeah, I've seen that myself in the nonprofit where the executive director is the only paid staff, but they have to answer to a board of volunteers. And sometimes those boards have difficulty finding those volunteers. <laughs> and so, you know, you might not get the best people on your board and the poor executive director is really in a situation which is you know, difficult to manage at the best of times. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Alexander, over to you. That was really great, Lee. So I think part of it comes from my aspect. I don't get to do as much of the kind of typical workplace behavioral changes in the same sense as probably a lot of you. Um, coming from the tech side, I'm more focused on how to be able to educate on areas that a lot of IT people don't get to understand. So typically what I do for kind of volunteers, if you will, in air quotes there for people who can't see me, um, is to be able to do speaking, to bring awareness to things. A lot of people don't think of how ransomware attacks can affect and cause PTSD, where workers need to be able to oftentimes get treatment for that. A lot of business owners don't think about that can go into worker comps claims and other disability insurance claims and how that can really start to affect your bottom lines. Um, so those are aspects where I think part of it for us isn't always just the volunteering, but also doing research and bringing awareness to topics and educating groups of people to be able to better understand what it is, not only what we do, but to better understand the world around them and the place of work. If I could dive in a little deeper, Alexander, because, you know, I, I know there's people on the panel who probably speak to groups, you know, as, as a trainer, you're doing that quite a bit, but also there's, you know, the professional speaking world. And quite often, you know, you get to a point where you're asked to speak all the time, but it's volunteer work. Yeah. So how do you negotiate that? I think eventually once you get to a certain point where enough people want to hear what you've said, then you can start to command those prices. Until that point, you've not built up that personal brand enough to demand a price, I think. Um, that's really where I think that can fit in. But it is a great way to get that speaking career going. So do it, it for is. a while. But yeah, there, there is 
good money to be made in speaking. Uh, Lauren, back to you. Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of good material talked about. I'm trying to still wrap my head around it and and tie it back to a volunteer experience that I had when I was an HR practitioner before I started my PhD. Um, I was working in the tech industry and I wanted to like build up my tech credibility. So I looked for local organizations and, and found one um, and they were looking for someone to assist with their HR needs, right? And at that time it was more tac tactile. It was like, we need policies and we need some help organizing this. And it's like, okay, like that's not a problem. I, I can do that with my eyes closed. Um, but once I got in to realize yeah, this is a volunteer opportunity. And as several of you have mentioned, they're not well-staffed because you have to have people who want to volunteer. And so if I'm the only one volunteering, that makes it a lot of work for me, even if I want to help. Um, it makes it very disorganized because maybe one week so-and-so is here and the next week they're not there anymore and then they come back and what's going on. Um, there's a lot of intricacies in it. I don't want that to deter anyone from getting into, uh, you know, volunteering and pro bono. It's just, this is very frank information here, right? I, I'm trying to do something um, to better somebody. And then you have that odd fine line, in my opinion, um, where you're offering your services for free or at a lesser cost through volunteering or pro-social work. Um, so how does that power distribution work when you're getting a lot of pushback from the people who are, you are taking your time to help at at little to no cost, right? You're getting massive pushback. But on the other hand, you're giving them your free time. And so almost not a not a question of when do you start charging them, but almost the intent of, of the people. And we talked about this a little bit. If it doesn't feel right or you don't feel valued, like it's not the right opportunity. But I, I think that this might happen more often than not because people see the potential. They see the opportunity and they just want more. They get excited. They don't want to let you go. Um, but at the same time, you're like, you can't really demand from me if I'm helping you, right? Or, like, where is where where does that where does that fine line kind of get drawn? Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm not an IO psychologist, but I work in the field of arts and culture. Oh, my God, we need volunteers and we need volunteers all the time. And, you know, yeah, there's volunteers who I need someone to hand out candy. You know, that's fun. A lot of people. Do, but those volunteers who are actually helping us, you know, run events, <laughs> they're valuable. And, you know, you try to treat them well, but they could be gone next time you need them. So it's always difficult. It's yeah, Linda, let's go to you. So for me and, and everybody, well, most people know, for me, um, everything comes back to serving a purpose, right? So if when you choose a volunteering opportunity, if there's some kind of alignment of purpose, like why are you deciding to do the volunteering to begin with? And is there, um, and, and are what is what you're doing going to serve them moving their purpose forward. So where is the alignment between your serving your purpose and helping them serve their own purpose um, to get some um, clarity and focus on what needs to be done? And it also helps with some of that pushback that Lauren was mentioning when you go, well, we need to, we are doing X, Y, and Z because you have the goal of and, and purpose to serve this community or whatever it is. And that takes the pressure or concern off of you and more on to how are we going to do what we're here to do? 
And that is just really helpful for me. Thank you very much for that. Alexander, back to you. So I want to kind of talk to the volunteering organizations and kind of this bit, because for companies and everything, we care a lot about our onboarding experience. Are we communicating to employees or prospective employees? Why do you want to work here? What are you value? Are you going to get out of it? What's going to be that real benefit to you? But I don't typically see that for nonprofits. I might see a lot of messaging around what the nonprofit does to help the people they're serving, but what are the volunteers getting out of it? And so I think that's part of that part where you need to assess how your volunteers experience is and to be able to understand what it is to be a volunteer at your organization and start to understand how can that help them? Where can people get more benefit out of volunteer for you so that you can maybe recruit better and more people that will want to stay longer? Switching back to your previous question, Tom, it also occurred to me a lot of IOs could really start mentoring others who are, have more experience in the speaking, talk about how they got the pricing aspects, what are the prices that they can charge. I think that would be a really good call for other IOs to start mentoring others, younger people in the industry. I agree 100%. And, you know, it's, it's true what you say as well. It might not be financial, but there should be some return on your investment for volunteering. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. Uh, Rich, you had your hand up. Did, did you have something? I'm still getting my thoughts together. Oh, go ahead. That's why I put a hand. Think up. on, my friend. Um, you know, there's there's very good points in, in all of this that, you know, you really, you know, what is your, what are your, it's got to be a two-way street, right? I mean, you don't just, you know, yeah, you get the warm fuzzy from volunteering and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, if if you just pick a volunteer because just to volunteer and you end up with some organization that kicks puppies, maybe that might not fit your alignment. So maybe you should do a little more research. And, you know, and there's, you know, we, we focused a lot on like um, the, the, you know, the project type aspect, but I think that Alexander brought up a really good point that, you know, our broad brush, right? So what else can we do in a volunteer type situation? Well, I mean, how about a little coaching? You know, the the when they bring in people to do volunteering, their training may be lacking, their onboarding may be lacking, you know, their direction may be lacking. And so you get these these uh volunteers that they you know they don't really know what they're supposed to do, and they're just doing whatever they feel like. And and I'm not, I'm definitely not advocating go in and just retool the whole thing because I mean, that's, that's a pretty big ask for a pro bono situation, but you can go in and you can work with like the senior, the senior, you know, is there a senior leader and volunteers? I don't even know, but um, you know, the executive director or the volunteer board or whatever else, and you can work with individuals on a coaching perspective and say, okay, let, let's work on how we can improve what you're doing and help that to drive the culture within your organization. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of nonprofits are culture, not good. And a lot of that is because people are all volunteers and it's a revolving door and they can't keep volunteers because the culture is not good. So how can we work on volunteer retention? How can we work on communication? You know, so there's some there's some personal aspects that, that we as IOs often focus on that we can do other than big projects, you know, with with all these parameters and all that kind of stuff. So there are some smaller things that you can do in a mentoring type aspect, with some coaching as well. Thank you very much for that, Lee. Rich, I think you got your thoughts together. Let's go to you. 
I did get my thoughts together and I hope they stay together as I talk through this. So uh, last week, uh, you know, I, I, I teach marketing at a local uh, Christian college here. And last week we were talking about corporate social responsibility for organizations as their brand. And I just put, uh, I didn't press return. <laughs> Hold on. Yep. Okay. I just put a link to the American Marketing Association. There's a there's a case study that they have in there that was done from the University of uh, Indiana. And what they talk about is that in terms of CSR, uh, corporate social responsibility, there's three kinds. Correcting, that's basically taking like uh, you already have some negative societal or environmental impact and you're going to correct that. Then compensating, uh, and, and that, and when I say correct that, you're actually making changes to the operations to correct that. Then there's compensating, which is you're basically saying, yeah, we've we're we're doing this, but we're not necessarily going to change our the way we're going to do things. And then there's cultivating, which is doing uh, pro-social acts that are not directly related to the negative impact of a brand's operation. Now, why do I bring all this up? Sincerity. So sincerity means a ton to one's personal brand as well as to the uh, you know the brand of the organization. If your values are out of alignment with the rest of you know or the 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 direction the organization is going to go in, yeah, you're not going to keep you know your the, the volunteers are not going to remain there, and you know they're not going to be engaged. It's with any organization, right? I mean, you you know when you have a, 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 the values aren't aligned people are disengaged and, and, um, you know, they're going to go, you know, looking for something else, you know, do you got the, the, the classic uh, attrition, you know, that just is going to happen. So I guess what I'm really getting to is that when you are aligning yourself with an organization to do some of that pro bono work, if you're, you know, if you're going to go out there and, and, and help with the, you know, um, you know, a local, you know, um, uh, center in their HR, or you're going to help with OD work at uh, you know some association that you belong to. You know, right now I'm I volunteer over at IMCUSA as their uh, committee chair for their certification program. Any of that stuff, it's got to align with what your value is, and that level of sincerity. There's actually a diagram in that uh, in that study that shows that your level of sincerity has an indirect effect on whether or not people are going to do business with you and or you'll purchase from you in this case it would maybe you know hire you or retain you as an, even as a volunteer you know so um i hope i hope my thoughts were together and cohesive on that and if not uh look at that look at the link and it might it might offer a little bit of uh, uh clarity well it looks like there's some good reading there as well so thank you for that rich Lauren, back to you. Yeah, I'm going to, um, so I feel like a lot of what we're talking about could be, or could sound intimidating to people who are are new to pro-social or, um, or even students, right? So I'm going to take a little bit of a student perspective. And, you know, there are other ways to get involved in pro-social, even if it doesn't seem like that's what it is, it totally is. Um, for example, last weekend, I took an hour of my time on a Sunday to sit in on our virtual PhD open house. Um, I didn't have to do that, but I chose to sit and talk to prospective students about the program. Um, and to Rich's point, um, 
I like our program, right? I believe in our program. And so it aligns with me and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to be my authentic self. And that's going to come through, right? If I was doing it for a self-serving purpose and I was like, well, I'm just going to put it on my whatever, my resume or something. Um, and I just talk to the students very, very blandly. That's also going to come across. And that that's not really a good look for anybody. Um, but I can say even from taking that hour, I've already connected with one of the prospective students on LinkedIn and she reached out to me and was like, would you mind speaking further? And like, that's huge, you know? And so a little tiny impact, even within your university, volunteering for open houses, um, mentoring younger students, that that's going to go really far. Um, and then to second that, a lot of us are talking about associations that we're part of, whether it's PSYOP or, or APA, you know, what have you. They also often have opportunities to volunteer um, during, uh, what's, why am I blanking on this, um, during conference season, right? So you can volunteer to stand at a booth and help people check in. You can volunteer to hand out badges. And so it doesn't always have to be so involved to the extent that, that we've been talking about where you're going into an organization and, and providing a, a tactical or, or um, a service, if you will, you can simply volunteer with an organization and give your time to help them make it a smoother process. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of take that perspective and, and make it a little less intimidating for those who might be like, I, I want to get into it, but this is scary. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about, you know, students, we've talked a lot about like, you know, the nonprofit and you know, I'd love to, if I was an IO and starting out, I'd love to volunteer for a large corporation that's going to eventually hire me. Um, but what about, you know, your neighbor owns the local hardware store? Is that a good way for someone who's just coming out of school to get some experience and just volunteer your time to help them make their operations smoother? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week in terms of understanding your liabilities. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go into something you are uncomfortable or unfamiliar with. But I would say if your neighbor owns the hardware store and they're like, hey, I'm looking to hire someone, you know, you know, if you feel comfortable putting together a, a you know, a job poster or helping them scan through resumes, then I, I feel like that's fairly harmless um, and gives you a good opportunity to kind of flex your skills, um, just keeping in mind, like, make sure that you feel comfortable with it. And especially if you're in school and you have a question, utilize your professors, right? If you're like, I'm not sure if I can do this. Am I allowed? Is it legal? Go to your professors. Um, they're more than happy to talk about, yes, I would do this, or I don't recommend that um, because they want what's best for you as well. <laughs> All right, so let me change it up a little bit. So now in this scenario, it's your parent who owns the hardware store and they come to you and go, you know, you're studying this IO psychology stuff. You know, you're a PhD student and I'm paying for it. I'm having a problem with Phil at work. <laughs> Do you step in and give them some advice? Well, um, the way you just framed it, I would say that's advice, right? And so um, that's almost like a, is this on the record or off the record? That sounds like that type of conversation. Um, so, you know, if you are asking, if your parent's asking for your advice and you're like, well, this is what I learned. Um, I myself, I still preface it with, keep in mind, this is just part of the research. Keep in mind, this is just a piece of what's out there. Keep in mind, there's other ways to do this, but this is my perspective and what I've learned. Um, it's advice, you know, I, I would say it's off the record advice, but I, I, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> As a parent, you better. <laughs> Linda Ann, let's go to you. So I, I wanted to just share a little bit of a different perspective on, on volunteer um, situations. Uh, 
in a previous lifetime ago, uh, I worked, uh, did the corporate marketing for a hospital. And so and that was the days when we just still did direct market, uh, direct mail and all those kinds of things. And we had a full blown volunteer department. Oh my goodness. Can I come back? I have a major delivery. I'll be right back. Okay. I guess I'll step in. Um, Alexander, while we're waiting for Linda Ann, let's go to you. Let's go for it. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to clarify real quick on your part. I This was why I was the one who was shaking my head, not going to say it, because I'm not a part of the APA. I'm British psychology. Um, for us, it's ethically against our rules and regulations if we're not competent in an area that we can't give advice or consult on that spot. And Linda is back, so I'm going to go. Thank you. Um, and so we had a full-blown volunteer department and we would use them. I valued them immensely. And so did most of the people within the hospital because of all the services that they provided. And I understood the direct monetary contribution that they were making to me being able to get my job done. The other side of that was the people who signed up to be volunteers did it because it was a social um, activity for them. So they had their own specific um, reward for doing the volunteer. So it served both sides of the equation and it was very well organized. I could, you know, plan for their time and so forth. And so I think that if people look at volunteerism and, and how they volunteer and where they volunteer as a way to serve both sides effectively and understand the monetary value of that contribution, I think it makes it a little bit more rewarding for everyone. Yeah, very, very good point. Rich, let's go to you. Sure. Um, going back to kind of the sincerity thing, but, um, you know, so I, I think last week I mentioned that my kids were scouts, right? And they would volunteer for things a lot. They were also voluntold to do things a lot, <laughs> you know, and, you know, when I think the purpose of doing volunteer work is is super important because um, I've been in situations where you have volunteers, whether they're kids or whether they're adults or, or, or you know, what have you, um, where they're, they're only there to fulfill some obligation or some perceived obligation, right? And so uh, they're they're not fully engaged in this. It's kind of like, oh, I'm just here because I'm here, right? And it does, you know, you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, you know, does this, does this align with what our, you know, our, where, where we need to go in our career, <laughs> you know, as, as IOs, if we're going to be doing this and we get into that situation, look, I've gotten into the situation where I volunteered for something and I'm like, oh dear, what did I do? I probably shouldn't do that again, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I think, I think we just had to be somewhat, you know, um, informed and purposeful on, you know, what we get into. Otherwise, you know, we're going to end up being, you know, at, at, at at best, wallflowers. At worst, kind of sullying our reputations in some ways. You know, so yes, very true. Lee, over to you. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open the aperture a bit here. So you know, when we're talking, you know, pro bono, I mean, basically, we're we're doing an activity we're not being paid for. And so you know, you think about some of the things that are going on in our community right now. I mean, this podcast right now. None of us are being paid for this, but we are providing this service to those who are interested in the topic that we're speaking on. And so, 
there are people out there who are getting benefits. And I know that because I've had people tell me. And then we are getting a benefit from that, you know, in a return because, you know, people, our voices are going out there. And by the same token, if you, uh, Alexander was on a, was on a podcast just a few days ago with another group that they asked him to come on and speak so that he could share that information to those who were interested in that. Um, You know, our networking events, nobody's paying to attend, nobody's paying to put it on, but we're providing that as an opportunity for people to receive mentoring, to, to have Q&A, to, to do these things and widen their skill. That's also a form of doing pro bono work that we are actually, you know, and, you know, you can't get a benefit from that yourself because you're widening your network. And, and uh, you know, I will freely share whatever, you know, knowledge I have, but I also get knowledge in. I mean, I never fail to learn something from someone. and. Okay, you're right, Alexander. I am paying for the, the Zoom cost. So I guess technically in that case, maybe my doesn't hold up. But anyway, um, I would argue my point still stands. But um, but when you do these things and you go out there and they put on there, you know, here is, you know, so-and-so IO consultant or whatever, and they put that out there and you're like, hey, let me share the wonders of IO and this wonderful knowledge that I've gained and that you may put to use in your organization or your personal life or whatever, you know. That is a form of doing that. And, uh, you know, which is just kind of a corollary to what Tom spoke on earlier about doing the speaking engagements and, and whatnot. So there you go. Just a little extra thing thought out there. Well, and, you know, I, I think it was like six months ago, Jeremy mentioned that the Work Cookie podcast is now being downloaded in over 100 countries. So, you know, the impact that everyone's having on this panel and all the expertise that you have and sharing it with the world is quite beneficial. Uh, Jacqueline, let's go to you. Yeah, what I would throw out there is if you are listening to this and you are thinking about going out there and volunteering, um, and especially if you are a new IO, uh, especially a new, um, yeah, IO, even if you're an experienced one, don't necessarily think you have to do that alone. Like what I'm picturing in my head is people walking into businesses and say, I'm going to do some volunteer work for you, nonprofits or whatever that might look like. But there's organizations who help IOs do exactly that. So, um, you know, I've got a couple, I'm based out of the Twin Cities. I've got a couple in mind I'm happy to share. But what they do is they bring in, you know, here's an experienced practitioner, and then they have a group of newer, um, you know, hey, I'm looking to get some work done. I'm looking to get my hands dirty and my feet wet in the work. And so they can build the experience and also learn a lot, not only about the field and the profession, but also how these volunteer engagements might go. Um, so just throwing that out there. Well, let me ask Jacqueline, I'll, I'll direct it at you, but I'll ask everyone here today, but you know, everything I keep reading says that volunteerism is down. You know, how, is, how do we re-encourage people to volunteer or do we just talk about the benefits or any thoughts on that? Or That's maybe I'm totally question. wrong, maybe volunteering is that. <laughs> I, I am still do, I started, my volunteer journey, like in the IO area, I started it with this particular organization. Um, I'll, I'll put it in the chat here. But I started 
just because I wanted to um, start doing the work. And I am still doing it like 10 years later almost. I'm still doing the same today because I like the opportunity to give back. I like the opportunity to work with different types of clients that I otherwise wouldn't and take on different projects that I otherwise wouldn't. Um, I don't know. Hope some others can add to that. I'm sure they will. Nick, let's go to you. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting conversation. Um, and I think one of the things that we're so used to doing in the field of I.O. is meeting people where they are, finding what the need is for an organization and applying one of the many paintbrushes we have in our toolkit to that particular situation. And I think that same sort of serendipitous connection can happen in the volunteer space where you keep your ears open, you keep yourself networking, you keep yourself aware of what's going on. Uh, and to your question, Tom, I think, um, you know, building that sense of community is is the way to, you know, get people to invest where they're at. And community may not look like your HOA or, you know, the, the block you live on, but, you know, we have a community of IO psychologists who come here every week um, or, you know, attend these pop-ups. So you can find those communities and figure out what their needs are um, so people can feel like they're contributing to something that they identify with. Very nice. Thank you for that. Lauren, back to you. Yeah, I'm going to touch upon your um, volunteerism is down. I think it's because we it, people are tired um, coming off the heels of the pandemic and this whole talk of work-life balance. And now pe a lot of people are still working remotely or are they going back into work? And there's a lot that are that it's just keeping us tired, right? And so I think even if people have a strong desire to volunteer, they're just like, but I don't, I want to, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, what, when am I going to do this? With what energy am I going to do this? And maybe they view it as something else on their plate. And I think um, one thing that was mentioned that that's really important and could be a way to bring volunteerism back is that sense of community and that sense of socializing. Um, because especially during the pandemic, we lost so much of that socializing and that, that human connection. And even if you're not volunteering in person, to know that you have a shared experience or a shared interest with individuals who you don't talk to on a daily basis could be a really great way just to kind of, I don't know if I can curse, shoot shoot the S, if you will, right? Um, because that that's what we need. We need a space where we can also be ourselves and and kind of let loose. And the hope is that you're volunteering in an in an organization or an atmosphere that that provides similar to what Jacqueline was saying, either something you don't have experience with on a daily basis, or maybe it's a personal interest or a hobby of yours that you're volunteering your time towards. Like that's okay. Um, it should fill your cup as much as it is filling somebody else's cup by your presence being there. Um, so that's my two cents on, on volunteerism being done. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you for, for another quarter, uh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things that, you know, as someone who works with volunteers, we're always told is treat your volunteers well. You know, you can't pay them, but you can do other good things for them, you know, feed them, things like that. So you as an IO psychologist, if you were going to volunteer for my organization, what could I do for you outside of paying you? Because then you're not a volunteer. Um, but, you know, what's a gift basket for an IO psychologist look like? Ooh, I think that I think that's very subjective. I think it's going to look different for everybody. You know, I know some of my peers in the PhD program, they were interning at organizations and the organizations allowed them to use their data for their dissertation. Now, I'm not saying if that's um, necessarily volunteerism, but just to kind of show a, 
you're providing something and someone's getting something out of it. They didn't have to provide the data. He is not being paid for his dissertation through the company. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think it's approaching people as a whole person uh, and whatever capacity they're volunteering, having an interest in that person as well, not just the service they're providing. And that interest will help cue you into what can I give back to them that is not monetarily based, that's going to fill their cup. And you might build a really great relationship with that person. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Linda Ann, let's go to you. So to step a little bit outside of the, just the volunteering as, a, as an IO, I think that um, it's important that we pass the mindset of volunteering uh, and volunteer, volunteerism onto the next generation. And one of that, and, and to, to grow it from the ground up, right? And one of the ways to do that, that is, I think is helpful, especially for young people, is there's a, a president's office volunteer service award. And for a certain number of hours, the the people can, and I, and I did it with um, my Girl Scouts, <clears throat> and they, for a hundred hours, they got a certain award from the president. And that was exciting to them, right? But they could volunteer at any different organization, but it created that mindset that that volunteering is important and that it's valued by people and important people, right? And, um, and so, and, and here in the community that I live in, the parents are very well aware that their children live in a bubble. And so it was a great opportunity for them to take them, make sure that they got out, whether it was, you know, serving meals at the rescue mission, or if it was cleaning a highway or whatever it is, but to serve the community, but creating that mindset so that as um, people come up, they understand that that's part of their civic responsibility and that they, they feel good about it and they enjoy it. Thank you very much for that. Alexander, over to you. Oh, I'm about to pull a rich and say my thoughts have lost me. Um, I'll come back. Pulling a rich has now become a verb. I love it. It's great. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, wait <laughs> I'm waiting for the meme. Um, <laughs> uh, Linda, let me go back to you then while Alexander is thinking, because one of the things that I've seen about volunteerism is that, you know, People my age are volunteering less generally, but with young people, especially those just sort of coming into the work market, you know, they're interested in volunteering, but they don't know where to turn to. So how do people who are getting to an age now where they can start volunteering, maybe you don't have a dad like Rich who gets you volunteering as a teen. You know, I, I did very little volunteering when I was growing up on the farm, basically because I grew up on a farm and there was no time. <laughs> but how, when you know, you become an adult, how do you actually get into volunteering and what should you be looking for? I would say that just focus on where you're passionate. What do you love? You know, like, for example, if you really love the music scene, whatever kind of music, there's all kinds of festivals and and things like that that, you know, have volunteers and t-shirts all all day long and those kinds of so it's it's just i would say follow your passion because it matters to you then right and you see you you are contributing and you're all, it's where those that two sides of the coin is really being served so i would say start with whatever passion you have um that's really you know something you enjoy and look up organizations or opportunity you know just events that that you can just call somebody and say hey can i help Good advice. Uh, Alexander, let's go back to you. All right. I remember now. Um, 
it's going to be for addressing what can people do to kind of help benefit those people who are volunteering besides just monetary compensation. I think one of the great things you can do is give them a LinkedIn recommendation that'll be able to be seen by everyone that's, you know, when they're looking and applying for jobs. The other bit is, is a lot of companies, especially smaller companies, grow by word of mouth. Can you recommend them to your network or introduce them to your network? Is there like a golfing event that you might be able to invite them to? There's just little things that you can do to help integrate and help other people grow. And that goes into the aspect of making it where other people want to volunteer. Nice, I like that. Nick, over to you. You know, we talked about, you know, the, the decline of, of volunteerism. Um, and, you know, it, is, it, is it that people don't have the example set for them? You know, the community organizations like the Scouts and things like that, that's a big component of it. But you also see community service as punitive, um, you know, you get a traffic ticket, you've got to pay the fine and do so many hours of service to the community as well. Um, and so I think that that's one thing that could be reflecting on, on that potential trend. And I also wonder how much of what fell into traditional community service is now more shifted towards activism or, or something like that. So people are still fighting for these these nonprofit causes or things like that, but they, they've, they've framed it differently. Uh, be it, you know, broadcasting through their social media channels or, or whatever it is that, you know, these things still would normally count as volunteer, but the, the the new statistics are not necessarily taking that into account. Thank you very much for that. Um, Lauren, we're we're getting close to our hour being up. Um, how have we done and if we missed anything uh, that we should be looking at about putting this into actually action? No, I think this was a really great conversation. Um, as always, the hour flew by. Ooh, Alexander. Uh, the hour flew by. I, I look forward to these. I look forward to next week. Um, so I, th I think we touched upon everything for this episode. All right, and Alexander, back to you. All right, I'm going to ask the audience if they want to volunteer their time. Um, you can help and support me by listening to my last podcast on the MSP Business School. Nice. Um, and do we find that wherever we find our podcasts or pretty much? Yeah. YouTube, everything. I, I like YouTube that video. <laughs> I like that this, um, <laughs> our weekly broadcast is now becoming, it's like Hollywood square for people who are online doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> for those of you old enough to remember Hollywood squares. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Lauren, if, if someone's listening to the podcast and they're going, you know, I'm an IO. I've never volunteered for anybody. What's the first step in, you know, as you know, Dan says, you got to find something that's aligned with your passions. So where do we go? Where do we start? I think that's where you start. I think you have a sit down with yourself and you say, what am I interested in? Where would I want to spend my time? Especially given that we discussed our time um, may feel limited. Um, and so where would you be willing and excited to, to spend that time and, and be, be real with yourself. And it can be outside of the workplace, you know, it doesn't have to be, as we said, a corporation. Um, it could be something that you have an interest in hobby wise. Um, and once you have that, you can start looking into either your local community or, um, again, through these organizations, these professional organizations and see, What's out there? Uh, you can even reach out to individual people. When I started my independent consulting um, back in 2018, I just started connecting with people who I thought were cool and did cool work. And I said, hey, do you want to have a coffee? And I talked to them about what I was interested in. And they told me about what they did. And then it kind of spurred from there, right? And I, I was able to sit on a panel um, 
again, this is all free. I'm not, I'm not getting paid, but I sat on a panel to, to speak to people who are interested in things that I was interested in. And, you know, you, you have to put yourself out there and not be afraid of what's going to happen. Um, but definitely, definitely make sure that it's coming from a genuine place and that you are interested in the results and putting your time and effort into this. Should you, when you're looking, should you look locally, you know, somewhere where, yeah, you and I can meet in a coffee shop or can you, I mean, we've got this wonderful technology now. Could someone in the United States go, you know what? I've always liked the Philippines. I'm going to look for an organization in the Philippines. Um, I, I don't want to jump to conclusions here um, because I, the HR person in me, right. I'm like, okay, breaks, there's um, local and legal laws that we need to consider. So again, I would look into what that implies for you. <laughs> um, you know, if you're just talking to someone, if you're reaching out to have a conversation, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're looking to volunteer time, there might be some uh, legal implications. So um, I would make sure that you're aware of the local and state and governmental laws in whichever area that you're looking to volunteer. Um, but, you know, you can ask for a Zoom meeting, you can ask for a meeting in a coffee shop. If you are going to PSYOP or another conference, go uh, months ahead, start looking into people and say like, hey, are you going to PSYOP? I'd really love to meet there or I'd love to connect or do you want to hop on a Zoom before? I have some questions. Ooh, we're running out of time, but people have their hands up. So I'm going to let them speak. <laughs> Well, I just love to keep the conversation going and we can go a little over an hour. Uh, Alexander, back to you. I love that question. And I'm going to say, yes, it can be beneficial. Um, I do that with Omni Park um, in London. Now, currently, I don't live in London, um, but I still want to be a part of the community there. And so I volunteer to, you know, a place that I can do stuff remotely. Um, the other aspect is if you're wanting to move to a new area, I think that's a really great way to start integrating and building connections within that area. And you can do that remotely nowadays, thankfully. Like that too. Yeah, maybe I should look in London. Uh, Rich, let's go to you. Uh, just real quick, because I, I did register for SIOP. I'm pretty sure if I don't, if I, if I recall, they do have a sign up and the registration for whether you want to be a uh, you know, you you want to volunteer at the event, or you want to do something, yeah. So, uh, and and other things, Sherm has that, AMA has. I mean, like there's all kinds of other organizations that you know they ask for volunteers on the spot, you know, or, or on site during an event. So, yes, they do. And then don't forget that CBOC itself. There's a number of us who are more than happy to give some of our time every single month just to have a chat with people and build this community. Uh, and what a wonderful community it is. I enjoyed talking to some of the smartest people in the world every Thursday. It's the highlight of my week sometimes. Uh, so thank you very much, Lauren. Again, great job this week again. Uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Uh, next week, we will be talking about pro-social practices, strategies, and approaches. So we would love to talk about some of the um, interventions or, or work that has been done. Um, maybe it's well-being and community engagement or actionable insights. Um, so there's your little tidbit. And if you're listening to the Work 50 podcast and you've got some great stories that you could share about those experiences, uh, we are live every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, you can find the, the ticket and the invitation on the CPOC website. Come join us next week and share some of your experiences with us. Uh, with that, great job again, Lauren. And thank you very much to everyone who contributed. Wonderful conversation again. And we'll see everybody back here in one week's time. Counting you out in five, four, 
three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.